See Radio Oxford's phone-in. Your opinions, your stories, your voice. Good morning. Just after nine o'clock this Thursday, ahead of the VE Day Bank Holiday Weekend. And it's another expert hour. As you know, every hour, uh, every day at nine o'clock, we're bringing you an hour of people with various areas of expertise. Yesterday, it was um, your consumer rights with Gareth from Which Magazine. Today, relationships. I think it's fair to say that all of us have had to rearrange our lives over the last few weeks, the way we live, and that means the way we interact with our significant others as well, the people that we live um, closer to um, than anyone else. And that means that the rules have changed slightly. We've had to rethink our ways of communication, and that's not always easy. Um, and I wonder, I mean, it won't be for some months, maybe even years, until we really understand the fallout from uh, this pandemic in terms of how it's affected people's relationships, whether it's with your wife or your partner or your children, maybe parents, other members of your family. I mean, there's a lot of positives we can take away. Many people have been forced to re-examine, I think, relationships as a result of this, and um, many of us discovering new things about ourselves as well. But maybe the mere fact of spending so much time together has proved tricky as well. 0808 100 9100. I'd be really interested to hear from you this hour. Not if you just want to wear your dirty laundry and talk about problems, but talk about some of the positive sides of uh, of how COVID-19 has affected you and your relationships and uh, how you interact with those closest to you. 0808 100 9100. If you have a problem that you want some help with at the moment, you just can't see your way out of this. Then uh, I have a guest who can hopefully help you through all of this. She is relationship counsellor, Rachel Blackmore. Good morning, Rachel, joining us via Zoom. Good morning, David. Way of everything this morning. (laughs) Lovely to have you here with us. Thank you very much for coming on. How have you been managing to see, and I use the word very loosely, clients over the last few weeks then? Has it all been done remotely? Um Yes, yes. I've been I've been um, either using the telephone or using various different video platforms. So, you know, Skype, Zoom, things like that. And um, I've also been using instant messaging. So there are there are various platforms you can use where you're texting. Well, not exactly texting one another, but typing uh, one another. And that actually works quite well. Has that been been really helpful? Because it's a different way of seeing clients, isn't it? Than the, the traditional sitting down face to face for an hour and talking through problems once, twice a week, whatever it might be. Mm. It is. I prefer working face to face, obviously, because there's so much more that you can gain from a session um, when you can see someone's body language and facial expressions and uh, and so on. But, you know, I'm, I'm adapting quite well to video. My clients are adapting quite well to video. There are some people who would only want to see me face to face. So they're not having their sessions at the moment. But um, it, it's a very interesting time. And uh, yeah, it, it's I'm actually quite enjoying having the different ways of working, to be honest. I quite like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It makes it a bit more varied. I think we all do. I know I certainly do. I'm, I'm much prefer, But there we are. Um, let's talk about the sort of things that people are facing at the moment. Now, this has changed the way we live, hasn't it? And, and ergo, it's changed the way that we relate to people as well. Are you finding people are coming to you with new problems, worries and concerns about um, issues that might otherwise have been tucked away? Yeah, I think 
for most people, you know, we, we kind of we see each other in the morning and then we see each other in the evening and, and then we see each other at weekends. And that's pretty much it. And if there is anything that's, you know, either you've brushed under the carpet or is or is a bit bit of a strain on your relationship, you can escape it by going to work or going to see friends or going to, I don't know, a sporting fixture or whatever, you know, but but now people are having to face up to whatever it is that's difficult in their relationship that you, they've been able to ignore before. And I think anyone who's struggling with their relationship as a result of lockdown, it's that really, it's it's things that have not been good that have been able to be ignored now kind of while the volume has been turned up on them if you like very interesting i want to bring in Catherine barber who's from um home start the oxford and mr-based charity that supports um young families and and parents with children good morning Catherine. how are you doing at the moment how are you coping with everything Good morning, David. Great to speak to you. Yeah, we're great. Our team is all on hand, working from home and supporting families and our volunteers who link with families one-to-one when they're facing stresses or anxiety or isolation. So it's obviously a key time for us. What sort of challenges have you seen couples and, and families facing then at the moment then, Catherine? Well, I think like Rachel says, you know, we're we're under so many different strains now and so many different um, demands on us as parents and in in relationships. Um, So one of the the challenges, I think, is that um, it can bring parenting styles to the fore. So um, if you have a different approach to your partner um, or different expectations, um, that can really hit home right now. Uh, So it might be that one person thinks it's fine for the kids to have screen time, be um, you know, or might, that might be the necessity for them because they're just been in such a low place that that's how they cope. Um, whereas another parent might have much, um, you know, higher expectations about how the kids get entertained, um, what discipline we use, you know, um, and and obviously the, there's such huge stress that shouting and threats can um, be part of family life now, and and that can bring strain in the relationship and how we each approach that. Is that something that you've seen, Rachel, as what well, particularly in, in the in the way that we approach parenting? Uh, again, you can manage this stuff on an ordinary uh, basis, day to day, week in, week out. But now, when you're doing it all the time, it's difficult. Yeah, and and like Catherine says, you know, one parent, for example, if one parent is working a lot and they don't have very much to do with the upbringing of the children, you know, they, they play with them when they get home and so on, but. You know, if it's up to one parent to kind of be in charge of homework and cooking tea and, all, and and taking kids to clubs and all that kind of thing, when the when the second parent is then there, like Catherine says, they may not agree with what the the the, the original sort of main caregiver is doing, and that can cause arguments. I have seen that in um, in one of the couples that I'm working with that that the the dad is is struggling with being at home and and kind of seeing what goes on day to day, and he doesn't necessarily agree with everything that that goes on but you know that that's what's been happening while he's been at work and so it's sort of I think people start to see things in different ways or see things maybe more for what they are than what they imagined they were and they have to sort of readjust yeah and that's really tricky and what would your advice I'm not asking you to portray confidences here of course but what would your advice be in that situation then if you've got a partner who suddenly finds themselves at the centre of family life when they might otherwise be at work doing other things and, and doesn't like the way things are do you just keep your mouth closed or or compromise or what well I think it's I think firstly it's about you have to remember the reason that you're married to the person you're married to is because you chose them because you love them and there's something you know very special between you and that that 
that your partner has been doing the best that they can do with your children. So I think approaching the conversation from that perspective where you're approaching it in terms of trying to support your partner, trying to understand why your partner does the things that they do um, and, and try to maybe negotiate something where the partner has been at work a lot of the time feels more comfortable so like Catherine said screen time is a a huge bugbear between lots of parents because you know you've got a busy parent at home and they're trying to cook tea and they're trying to look after three kids and they're trying to do this that and the other and they're trying to get the washing done and they it's so easy to sit your kids in front of a screen or in front of a tv just to give yourself that space to do what you need to do and then another person comes into the household and they have idealistic maybe views about how children should be and and they're not aware of the pressures and maybe actually this could open their eyes to what the pressures are maybe they would get a a view of maybe they might actually sort of start to have a bit of admiration for what the other parent is juggling when they assumed it was all just just looking after the kids you know screen screen time Catherine does that come up a lot for you at the charity because it's such a big one for us at home Um, and the difficulty we're facing at the moment is that um you can put rules down and, and and the children will follow those but as they grow up those rules change as well and their demands uh, are different. It's also, I find, the challenge at the moment with screen time is that it's the way that children are using to communicate with their friends. So if you say shut down your your screen, please, you're basically saying to, telling them to stop chatting to their friends. That's that's a difficult one. Absolutely, yeah. You're you're absolutely spot on. And for many families, it's the way that um, you know we're we're getting through and we're coping. Um, what Homestart does is for parents who. Um, uh, facing strain and difficulty is our volunteers help them to, in normal times to get out but at the moment trying to support the parents to have the mental space I suppose to feel that they can be with their, their children and give them that attention and it might just be a really short amount of time given all the other demands on them of um, you know cooking and cleaning and shopping and all the rest of it um, but just having that time to, to be with have quality time with your children can actually reap dividends in terms of um, your relationship with your children um, and trying as much as possible to have one to one time with 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 a particular child so that each child feels that they have some space um with their parent yeah you work with separated parents as well don't you finally Catherine? what what challenges is that presenting at the moment that's a huge issue and i think one of the big things is parents are appreciating the chance to have someone to talk to in their home staff volunteer or their um their support worker and having someone that really listens to them and understands that isolation that they're facing um we're helping with links to practical services as well um but also in terms of the relationship i think pressures where the parents are separated and having to negotiate those different approaches to parenting and what's acceptable and given the huge anxiety about going out whether you know whether it's okay to be be outside and in the street um playing um how they're managing contact, uh, how the parent, that resident parent gets shopping, that sort of thing, given that the children are with them. Um, so we're really supporting with the whole range of emotional and practical needs that the, um, the separated parents might be facing. Really good luck. To, good luck with the work uh, you're doing. Good to talk to you again. Thank you very much. Catherine Barber from Homestart, the Oxford Vista-based charity, supporting uh, young parents with children under five years old. Rachel Blackmore is my guest. She's a relationship counsellor with us for the next hour. If you've got any questions for Rachel about how best to handle the situation you find yourself in at the moment, 0808 100 100. You can come on anonymously as well if you want to drop a text. 81333. Start your message with the word Oxford. More coming up in just a moment. It's BBC Radio Oxford at 9.17. BBC. 
this morning with uh, Councillor Rachel uh, Blackmore. Uh, Rachel, the most obvious thing uh, to talk about at the moment, of course, is the restrictions that this pandemic has obviously imposed upon us all. How many clients are you having to speak to who are now, who've been apart for, for the last six or seven weeks? I bet you've got a few, haven't you? Um, I have got a few, but the 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 people I work with um, who've got a partner that they're not seeing at the moment are people I'm working with individually. I have one couple who are living apart, um, and and you know, like uh, Catherine was just saying, they're, they're separated, and and uh, I think that's proving to be quite tricky. Uh, but yes, it is it is meaning that people aren't managing to see the person that they love because either they've been ill or their partner has been ill or they are. Are needing to isolate for other reasons and it's i think i think it's it's posing quite a strain on some people in many ways this what this pandemic has done has just turned up the volume on all our relationships hasn't it absolutely yes it really has in ways perhaps that have surprised us all what fascinates me uh, and again these something we don't know but it's the stories that we don't hear it's the men and women, indeed, with secret families. That happens, we know, of course. Mm. And those that are having, people who are having affairs who now can't carry on with those affairs anymore <sighs> because they're back with their family who perhaps they might have thought of leaving before this started. There must be an awful lot of that going on that we just don't know about. I would imagine so. And to be honest, I don't actually, I'm not working with anyone currently um, who's having an affair. Um, but I have thought about clients that I've worked with previously that have been having affairs that actually that wasn't resolved when I ended when I finished working with them. Um, and I have thought about that. I thought I wonder how I wonder how that's panning out, because I would imagine that lockdown would be the time where it would be sort of crunch time, you know, make or break, because either you would be locked down with your family and you would realize that maybe you didn't want to leave them after all, you know, that things were okay, that you could, you could carry on. Um, or maybe things would be so bad that you would realize that actually you just couldn't continue in this situation, that your relationship is completely broken down. And that once lockdown is over, that's it. You know, it, it's finished. It is over. Yeah. I wonder if solicitors are going to find themselves really busy after this. Let's bring one in. Here's Ursula Rice, who's uh, an Oxford based family solicitor, Dealing with these matters, and uh, we talk to you often, I know. Hello, um, Ursula, how are you? How are you coping? Are you working from home at the moment, are you? Hi, David. Yes, yes, I'm working from home. Uh, currently calling you from my HQ base, Viz, in bed in my pyjamas. Um, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and the advice is as good as ever. Let me tell you, after significant trialling this, this method of delivering legal advice, I recommend pyjamas. Perfect. Well, that makes no difference to the advice whatsoever. Just following on from Rachel, what Rachel was saying there. For many of your clients, this will be make or break, won't it now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, as you know, I deal with the dirty end of relationships because it's usually all messy and horrible by the time I get anywhere near it. Um, and I guess, I guess the big impacts, there's three big things I would say that I'm seeing. So firstly, controlling behaviour where there is some in the relationship. That's usually off the scale because the opportunity for doing that is of course now very high if you're locked up locked up locked down with someone who is controlling and that's kind of a topic all on its own um but the two other really 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 big um pressure points for separated uh co-parents i'd say are money and um the rules around uh spending time with the children and we get 
we get um, inquiries about that all the time, usually through our Facebook page, actually. There's a lot of people who are just desperate, desperate for how to, you know, how to sort this out. And they, and they travel to our 60-minute clinic thing we do on Facebook. Um, and the contact, so the contact stuff is, is all about, well, I've got a court order. Do I have to transfer my children from my house to my ex's house? And the rule is yes, because although the normal rules are don't go out and there's those four reasons, exceptions that you can go out. On top of that, if you have a court order saying your children should be traveling between houses, you, you are supposed to, you must carry on with it. A lot of people didn't really realize that. I think even the government weren't quite sure about that at the beginning. Um, and the courts, the courts are going to see a lot of uh, revenge applications, I think, from 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 desperate parents who've not seen their kids because their other half has sort of tried to disregard that. that so h- hiding behind the rules in many ways. So what, we can't possibly come out of the yeah. house. We're in lockdown. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. see the children. Yeah, there's, there's some of that. I do see some of that. I absolutely do. Have you, you heard know, that, Rachel, really as well, then? Sorry, Rachel, have you heard similar stories to that as well? Well, do you know, I was just thinking that actually I've had the opposite. I've, ha- I've been working with somebody whose partner has been saying that he won't have the children um, because he doesn't, you know, he's not allowed because it's lockdown. Um, and, and she's been really struggling with that because she's had to deal with the children's disappointment and upset because dad won't yeah. have them. And he's he and then he will say, well, maybe next week. And he will say to the children, you know, maybe next Saturday. And then he'll say, oh, no, I'm, I'm you know, I, I still don't think I should be having them. It's the lockdown is still in place. And so, so it can kind of go both ways, I think. That's interesting. Oh, but I that, agree. Yeah, that, I agree. That, I agree. But that's yeah. to do with who knows what that's about for him. I mean, maybe he is genuinely worried and frightened about catching something from the children. Who knows? How do you deal with that sort of a situation, Rachel? Well, I'm not working with him. I'm only working with of her. Course. And to be honest, I, I just feel totally helpless when I'm talking to her. Um, and and it's not it's not actually out of character for him to be. Uh, uh, sort of dictating dictating stuff and, sure. and quite flaky um, and, and, and I don't know how you would deal with something like that because if he's refusing to come and pick them up then he's refusing to come and pick them up and sh- she has to sort of deal with the fallout from it and I don't really know other than reassuring them or making sure that she she does the best that she can with them when she has them and uh you know but it is really really difficult and Ursha, you see, you mentioned money there and again i mean it always yeah. comes down to money doesn't it and, and what what is the advice that you're giving to clients is it communicating all the time about setting budgets and just being very clear on where the money is right now when there are so many pressures on family finances yeah, well, um, as you can imagine, if people have been furloughed, they've just taken a 20% hit to their income. And so the knock-on effect to that is a lot of, a lot of paying parents are correspondingly dropping down the maintenance that they were paying. And of course, all of this is being done without warning, so people can't pay for it. So the advice that I'm giving to people is you cannot print money okay so you can't you can't make money be there where there isn't money and and unless you you, this is the time to suspend the usual toxicity if you're in that kind of toxic really bad at prey divorce co-parenting relationship now is the time to call a short truce and to say although we hate each other and we're going to have quality arguments later down the line right now let's look at the figures because the numbers don't lie 
you're not spending as much on petrol. You're not spending as much on work lunches. Could you find an extra 100 quid for me? I'm not spending as much on uh, school costs, travel to school costs. You know, I'm not going out on the bus anymore. So do you know what? I can manage with 50 quid less. In, in spite of the fact that money is so, 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 so loaded um, between parents with, with much more than just the pounds and the shillings and the pence, it's actually about control. It's about why you don't support my children's needs. That means you're a lesser parent. You're a rubbish parent. It's, it's loaded, loaded, loaded with lots of other stuff. But now is the time to not think about that and concentrate on the numbers. If you've got to go rice and beans, you've got to go rice and beans. That's what you've got to eat. Chop your expenditure. Your kids still need to eat. They still need the heating on, even though it's May, because it's a bit dodgy sometimes. You know, they, they still need stuff. And, and it is because re, the reality is, that, that you can't print money. No lawyer can print money for anybody. So it's about being sensible. It's about being reasonable, even just in this very short time frame. You know, argue like idiots later down the line. Fill your boots. Right now, grow up. That's my advice. It is, yeah. And we'll see if Rachel agrees with you in a moment. Thank you very much, Ursula Rice from uh, Family First Solicitors. Um, we'll talk to you again soon, I know. And uh, back with you, Rachel, in just a moment. We'll talk about dating online and all sorts of other things that are going on at the moment. It's relationship advice for this hour on 0808 109 100 uh, if you want to join in with us. BBC Radio Oxford at 9.33 now. BBC Radio Oxford. Travel. And here's our Ryan. Well, the A40, a little bit busier this morning from Whitney East down as far as Barnard Gate. Rest of the main routes coping fine. No problems or delays on the A34 or the M40. And Oxford City Centre, Banbury Town Centre, Abingdon Town Centre all looking good too. On the trains, all services running to time on the departure boards. BBC Radio Oxford Travel, I'm Al Ryan. Call with your travel news. 0808 100 911. BBC Radio Oxford. Travel. Good morning. Sophie's got your news headlines at 9.33 now. There needs to be a close look at why COVID-19 is disproportionately affecting black, Asian and other ethnic minority groups. That's according to Oxford City Councillor and Equalities campaigner Shaista Aziz. As figures show, a third of critically ill coronavirus patients identify as black, Asian or from minority ethnic communities. The Bank of England is warning that the coronavirus pandemic will push the UK economy into its deepest recession on record. Analysts say it will shrink by 14% this year, even if lockdown is relaxed in June. It's emerged that nearly half a million surgical gowns intended for frontline NHS staff have been impounded in a warehouse. They were flown into RAF Bryce Norton from Turkey last month, but have been found not to meet British safety standards. The Cabinet will review the UK's lockdown rules later, with Boris Johnson suggesting some could be eased from Monday. It's thought the stay-at-home message could be scrapped. And the actor Andy Serkis is to give a continuous 12-hour live reading of The Hobbit, starting at 10am tomorrow at his home in Oxfordshire. The star, who played Gollum in Lord of the Rings, says the money raised from the performance will go to the NHS and the parenting charity Best Beginnings. This is the BBC. On Friday, it's a special bank holiday as we commemorate the 75th anniversary of V-Day. Land, sea and air forces of Nazi Germany surrendered unconditionally. We were to have street parties, but even though things have changed, to quote Winston Churchill... We may allow ourselves a brief period of rejoicing. We'd like you to celebrate by making your own special VE Day Great British Bunting to display in your windows. Download the template at bbc.co.uk forward slash make a difference. We have never seen 
BBC Radio Oxford. Join us in celebration this Friday. Your three-day forecast. BBC Radio Oxford. Weather. Mostly dry with sunny spells this morning. Later there'll be a few isolated heavy showers. But feeling warm with highs of 22 Celsius. That's 72 Fahrenheit. Any showers will die away tonight to leave it mostly dry with some clear spells and some patchy mist or fog. Feeling milder than recently. 8 Celsius the low overnight. Then that... Radio Oxford, 9 o'clock phone in. It's Rachel Blackmore who's my guest this morning. We're talking relationship advice. Rachel, we've got a question here. It's recorded a little earlier from... Uh, Alan, who couldn't come on, but here's Alan in Oxford. This is what he had to say. My name's Alan, I'm from Oxford, and um, I'm going to get married to my fiancé, Elizabeth, and we're going to live together. And uh, I just want to know how to go on, because she's going to give me my care, you see. And he's about, and he's a bit of advice to you know, get them going, like, you know. <laughs> I don't know if you, how much you, of that you got, Rachel. He's getting married to his fiancée, Elizabeth. Uh, they're going to live together. In the meantime, he's he's disabled and um, he has a carer, but she's going to take on the role of being part-time carer as well. And he's after a little bit of, uh, of advice. I don't know where you begin with that. Okay. Um, okay, so I imagine that Alan has a carer who isn't Elizabeth at the moment and Elizabeth yes. is going to be marrying him, living with him and taking over the role of carer as well. Is that I right? I think so, yes. Okay. Um, well, I think immediately really is the fact that Elizabeth will also have needs, although Alan is disabled and, and I'm imagining has physical disabilities that he needs Elizabeth to, to support him with. Whether Elizabeth is disabled or not, she will still have needs. And so it's it's Alan's responsibility, if you like, to make sure that he's taking care of her too. You know, that he's he's caring for her too, but in different ways so that it doesn't just feel as though she's kind of there to provide everything for him and for him to take everything that that he that he also gives what he can back to her in their relationship really interesting alan if you want to call us back on that but good advice uh, uh, for, on, on that one alan good luck and good luck with elizabeth um, we've talked a lot about i mean it's all been about couples that are in relationships at the moment but if you're single this must be a really difficult time as well rachel because apart from the isolation if you are living on your own there are no opportunities to meet another uh, anybody. Well, apart from, of course, online, <laughs> which brings us on to um, Chris Grayson, who's um, from Slow Dating. They run speed dating nights uh, in Oxford. Good morning to you, Chris. Good your, morning. You, your business must have been wiped out by this, I would imagine, or are you doing things virtually? Yeah, I mean, I guess when the the, the news uh, came upon us, I, I guess, wow, what, what what do we do? We we normally operate. I don't. For those that don't know, speed dating is, a, is an event where singles come along and uh, they all meet for the first time and, and basically get four minutes to speak to however many singles there. Like generally, like fifteen couples, uh, and that's generally how it works. Obviously, with the bars shutting down, that that pretty much uh, put, put put paid to our business temporarily. So, what have you done? Are you, are you just sitting waiting for us to start up again? Well, we've had an idea for a little while um, and to, to actually take speed dating online. And it was something that um, we thought about for a while. But because speed dating is generally quite niche, um, we sort of thought, well, it might just conflict with our existing business model. But I guess forced to, and because we don't know when bars are going to be open and we don't know when face-to-face talking is going to be acceptable, we thought, well, we, we've got to give this a go. And uh, and actually, we, we've launched it three weeks ago. And um, it's been really successful and well well-received. I mean, obviously, a lot of people out there 
uh, are on their own or with children or with elderly, you know, relatives and, and, you know, just want some, you know, not just companionship, but sort of speaking to other people in a similar situation. Yeah, it's companion. It is companionship, isn't it? Rachel, if you are single at the moment, I mean, the dating sites must be doing, those that have video facilities must be doing a storm. Well, <laughs> you, would, you would imagine so, wouldn't you? I, I find it fascinating how everyone's adapting all these new ways that you would never even have considered before. You know, it, it and we, I think we're realising now kind of how easy we had it really. And I, I wonder if Chris's business will boom after everybody has, has been let out because they're suddenly finally <laughs> really excited about being able to see people face to face again. And if they've been a bit reticent about speed dating, maybe they're really sort of raring to give it a go. But the idea of doing it over video is is really interesting because some people just really hate being on video, don't they? You know, they really hate sort of all the awkwardness or they're, they're technophobes or they don't understand how they do it and so on. And there can be all these barriers to it. But but on the other hand, it, it, it does open up whole new ways of doing things that, that people perhaps wouldn't have bothered with before. You know, they'd send a few messages and if they decided they wanted to meet up, then they would. But I suppose the, the video thing kind of takes the awkwardness out of it because if you if you're on a video call with somebody and you you really don't like them or you don't like the sound of their voice or what they're saying or whatever, you can just uh, <laughs> you know hit the Cut end the line, yeah. And, <laughs> and also, but you have much more control. I mean, I I was never one for really hanging out in bars. I used to do it a lot when I was single, but I never particularly enjoyed it. If I'm honest, I don't know how many people really do. And the idea of being able to control you, what you look like, the background, the filters, and everything. You have a lot more control over how you present yourself to somebody else, don't you? Is that fair, Alan? And it's safer. Yeah, and it's right. definitely safer. Alan, is that fair? Um, well, basically, um, yeah, you do have a lot of control. I think the things, it's interesting, like you say, that the society is really changing. I think when you go out to bar, there's a lot of nerves concerned with that. A lot of uh, the ladies like to come in groups. So actually, the online thing takes a lot of that away. Um, you, you know, you don't have to find a babysitter, where you're going to park, what you're going to drink. What, you, you know, you've still got to look at, see what you look like a little bit. But it's a really good way of just having four minutes to see if you've got a bit of connection with someone and just be yourself and, and, and um, have a chat in the comfort of your own home without those nerves obviously it might be some still but without the nerves that of going into somewhere new and who's all these you know who's all these people going to be you're in your home so i think it's going to be a little bit more relaxed obviously video is not for every everyone but i think we're learning to to cope with that as a, as a necessity at the moment really interesting thank you very much alan rachel back with you in just a moment it's bbc radio oxford at a quarter to ten let's get some more from al ryan control laura brannigan rachel blackmore relationship counselor has been my guest this last hour, as is often the case, Rachel, we've barely scratched the surface. There's never enough time. You'll have to come back and do this again and take some more calls. <laughs> I'm sure there's uh, no shortage of, of questions for you. If you are having a problem with your relationship at the moment, with whoever that other person might be, it all begins, doesn't it, with a difficult conversation. How on earth do you begin with that? And, and how do you find the right moment even? Yeah, I mean, that. I think that's the, the crux of it, really, isn't it? It's The thing is, there. Are, I suppose one of the things is don't sweep stuff under the carpet, but at the same time, sort of pick your battles. So if they're getting on your nerves because they're, I don't know, whistling while they're making a cup of tea, don't bite their head off over it and, and probably don't bring it up later either. But if there's, a, there's stuff that, that feels really irksome and it's really bothering you and you need to talk about it, don't talk about it at the point of irritation, at the point of sort of anger. Leave it for a little while. 
and pick your moment later on. And don't, you know how we all really hate it when someone says, I think we need to have a chat. It, it kind of stirs up this kind of horrible sort of I'm in trouble sort of sensation. So I think maybe there are other ways of going about that. So um, can we have a chat about or um, I was wondering if you'd like to talk about or how are you feeling about or I've been thinking about and then kind of introduce it in a in a more gentle way. So you're not sort of um, you're not telling them that you are going to tell them off or, or have a go at them. It's about let's talk this through. Let's see if we can come to some sort of um you know, outcome that's going to be satisfying for both of us and and realizing and remembering that you're in a team, you know, you're in this together. It's about the two of you navigating it together rather than pointing fingers, blaming. Um, you know, it's about owning your own feelings. So if your partner is getting on your nerves because they're doing this, this, and this, that's kind of your fault in a way. You know, that's your problem that they're getting on your nerves. But you do need to express that, but it's not about telling them that they're in the wrong. It's about explaining that what they are doing is is bothering you in this way. And how can you uh, kind of find a solution to that that doesn't impact either one of you um, where you feel that you're the one doing all the changing the that's other such, person is just dictating? That's such brilliant advice, Richard. The idea that, of walking away from something, even though you feel like you want to explode in the moment, is probably the single best bit of advice we've ever had on this programme. <laughs> Because it can save the day, can't it? I mean, I've done it myself enough times where I think I'm about to blow up. And if you just walk away, it's that thing of never sending an email late at night. It's the same thing, isn't it? Mm. Uh, and, it and go, it, walk it, away, it, walk away and then come back to it. <laughs> yeah, and it also means that you can, if you're talking about it later, there is much more chance that you'll be able to stick to the issue. If you're, if you're talking about something in anger, you tend to go, and you always do this, and you always do that, you know, and it you kind of bring in all this other stuff, all this ammunition that you've got against them, and they end up feeling totally annihilated by it. And it's really not helpful because then their defenses go up and then they shout back. And it's just, you know, if you can if you can speak about it calmly, if you can stick to the issue, if you can make an agreement on the outset that you are, you know, trying to find a solution together, you're adapting together. And that it's going to be a difficult conversation, but actually you need to try and protect one another's feelings. So you could start the conversation by saying, look, this is going to be a really difficult conversation for us. I don't, you know, we don't want to hurt one another, but we need to find a way of, of navigating this um, so that so that we both feel better at the end, not so that we both feel like we've sort of knock seven bells out of each other yeah however tempting it might be and often you, that row is about something else entirely at the time isn't it thank you very much rachel we could talk and talk and talk and we will can we come up speech again in the next week or so get, get something in the diary that would be lovely if we can that would be great i've got loads more to say yeah i bet <laughs> thank you so have I. thank you very much rachel thank you it's always the okay. way have a lovely weekend um, if you can I've always got plenty more to say, but um, I'm being thrown out of here. Cat's coming up in just a second. BBC Radio for three minutes to ten. Our Ryan is.